It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the bike. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is Friday morning. Not a real eventful week. Transfer portal is heating up. Uh, signing day is just around the corner. UW basketball is a little bit going on there with uh, a game tomorrow night. A, a nice win earlier this week against Cal Poly. Big-time recruit that Washington had been recruited has entered the transfer portal. We'll talk about that and more. Just kind of, it seems like kind of a scattershot day today with not a lot going on, but a lot going on in in the shadows. But I think that, uh, you know, just earlier this week, let's just go ahead and start off with it. It looks like UCLA, that has happened. They're going to go to the, the, the Big Ten, and it looks like at some point they're going to have to come up with a number to subsidize the University of California. So uh, any surprise there, Chris, with UCLA? Finally, 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 it's happening. They're going to the Big Ten along with USC. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think that that was ever going to be a surprise, at least from my perspective. I always thought that once the broad strokes were done, that it was simply a matter of how much could the regents from the UC system how much could they get out of UCLA to kind of help supplement the loss of losing USC or excuse me, UCLA, you know, how much could Cal get things like that. So I've heard anything anywhere from two to $10 million and not even sure if that's like, it going to be a yearly thing or a one-time thing. So there's, there's still so many fine points that need to be kind of hammered out with that thing, but there's no question now that UCLA is definitely joining USC. And Scott, I just think it's going to be really weird and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, because when people talk about USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, all the focus seems to be football. But there's a lot more than it, than just football. There's basketball, volleyball, softball, swimming, golf, every sport. And that travel with them being on the West Coast, what's the shortest trip? Is uh, I, what Nebraska, will be the isn't it? Trip? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Nebraska. That's going to be the shortest trip. And that's. That's still a, still a hike, and then you've got the two-hour time difference. So I think it's going to be interesting with the other sports. And and like I always say, I'm interested to see how the UCLA softball team reacts playing in Ames, Iowa in March. What happens then? Because that travel is yeah. not going to be easy. Well, you talk about the two-hour time difference. There's also a three-hour time difference when they're playing Rutgers, when they're playing uh, Penn State. Um, trying to think what other Big Ten schools are are in the Eastern Time Zone, 
But yeah, it's there's a lot of it, this is not a clean, uh, uh, you know, trans transition for them. I, it's going to be so weird. Um, you know, I I really got to believe that this is this is like the second or third step. The the first steps were oh, oh, Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, and then uh, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. And and I'm just I'm really in believe that there's this is like a 20 step process, and we're only on step two. So I think things are just going to look so different in 10 years from now. What what could things look like? Washington, Oregon, Stanford, they could all be in the in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame could be in the Big Ten. There's just so many different things that could happen that what it could look like. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to come up with better ways of scheduling these things and and um, geography and all that different stuff. I think it's eventually going to come back around full circle to more of a geographical thing where um, the Big Ten you know, has their name on stuff, but maybe it's, you know, maybe you have six members from the Pac-12 in the Big Ten, and it's, I, I don't know, there's just so many different ways that this is going to look. Yeah, Chris, it's just been kind of quiet with Washington moving anywhere, so it'll be interesting to see when that heats back up, Washington going to the Big Ten along with Oregon, so it just seems kind of like um, Washington may be better off staying uh, in the pack. Well, they are for right now because clearly there's no other option in the short term. So is this a situation where Washington and Oregon can leverage their standing in terms of especially like when it comes to football? And can they, you know, they're they're kind of the crown jewels now because of the interest by some of the, the other conferences, at least in the early when when UCLA and USC announced their decision Obviously, there came this flurry of kind of who might go where and which one, which teams were going to be the next dominoes to fall in this thing. And obviously, Oregon and Washington were tied together in a lot of talk in terms of going to the Big Ten. So can they leverage that momentum towards maybe a bigger piece of the pie when it came to the new media rights deal that's going to happen here at some point uh, for the Pac-12? So there's certainly a lot of moving pieces. I think there's definitely a few reasons why staying in the pack 12 or what will end up being the pack 10 again, I guess um, in a couple of years, because it'll be an easier path to the playoff, for instance, yep. than then going to the big 10, you know, you, you may get a bigger cut of the pie. You should hopefully get a bigger cut because now you have two less mouths to feed. So there's definitely some things to consider in the balance. More news in the Pac-12 this week, or are we still calling it the Pac-12, or is it Pac-10, Pac-10 Plus, or whatever you want to call it, but a little bit of a surprise, Troy Taylor named the coach down at Stanford, that's Jake Browning's old high school coach, a little bit of a surprise there, Scott? Not a surprise, you know, he's from the area, he he was the coach at Folsom, and then he he's kind of bounced around a little bit, wasn't he at uh, Utah for a little bit, or was it Colorado? Oh, OC yeah. at Utah. Yeah, at Utah. And and then uh, he's been the head coach at Sac State for the past couple of years and had a lot of success. Pretty much everywhere he's gone, he's been successful. So um, the only surprise for me was that they are bringing in a guy who has a completely different offensive style than what Dave David Shaw was, was using. So there's going to be – I mean, we already knew there was going to be growing pains at – uh, Stanford for any coach that went in there, but a guy bringing in a completely different system than the roster is built to run. 
boy, Taylor's got a, a big task on his hand, especially with uh, how many guys did they lose to the portal? Because they, you know, a lot of these fifth year guys are just leaving. And so, um, you know, I think that what was it about 15, something like that, that they Quite lost. Yeah. yeah. And so he's got a huge, huge rebuild task on his hand. I think he can do it, but he's going to have to be smart about who he goes out and gets. Um, his system is very quarterback friendly. So I think they'll, they'll, they'll do just fine in the quarterback recruiting and, and probably wide receiver recruiting, but will they do well on the offensive line where they've been so dominant the past, I don't know, decade, decade and a half, um, getting top end offensive linemen. They're not going to get that, you know, when they're, when they're just running past happy systems. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but, uh, I think a good pickup for them considering where they're at in the hierarchy of uh, college football right now. Is Tanner McKee declared for the draft? He has not, not to my knowledge. Yeah, that'd be interesting if they could get him back. Yeah, yeah, a lot depends on if they want him back. So, you know, I mean, he might not be the greatest fit for that system. I think he probably is, but you, we just don't know. Chris, how long till we see Jake Browning join his former coach and be on the sidelines as a GA or something at Stanford? Well, there was always that thought that, uh, especially with Chris Peterson, that Jake Browning could be a good understudy and and could end up being a pretty good, you know, coach in time. It seemed like he was certainly kind of that coach in waiting material. And so there's no doubt that uh, this would be a great landing spot if he wanted to do that. I have no idea what his aspirations are as far as an NFL quarterback go. Uh, Right now he's on the practice squad, I believe, where Cincinnati. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have no idea where that's going to lead him. So maybe – he sees that his time in the NFL is going to be what it is and might move on to something new. And if he wants to move on to something new, this would be a great landing spot for him. No question about it. How far is Folsom from uh, San Francisco? I mean, is that close or close well, to Folsom's a Folsom's a, a suburb of Sacramento. So it's, I don't know. It's, what about an hour, hour and a half? Yeah, maybe? it's not that far. It's kind of a straight shot. Yeah, not that far for home from him for him then. Yeah, so. No, just kind of cross the bridge. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens there of uh, just around the Pac-12 a little bit. Uh, you know, again, the UCLA and we'll get into the transfer portal a little bit. But uh, report this morning on uh, Steve Wolfong with um, Dante Moore, the number one quarterback in the country, who's currently committed to uh, Oregon. And uh, sounds like Wolfong is saying he's leaning towards Oregon, right? I mean, UCLA right now. That that would be big. That would be big, but it would it wouldn't be a shock because they did lose Will, uh, Dillingham to the to uh, Arizona State. So and that was the main guy recruiting him, other than the than some of the other coaches. So um, you know, I mean, that's that's big. That would be a big loss for Oregon if that was the case. UCLA is not a big player in the NIL money, and I was of the understanding that there was a big NIL deal in place for uh, more at Oregon. Was that your understanding, Scott? Yes, but, you know, Dante Moore, you know, has a chance to see the field this this year and uh, at UCLA, but he's got at least three years with UCLA. Well, guess what's going to happen that first year, uh, his second year, his sophomore season? They're going to be in the Big Ten. They're yeah. going to be playing against Ohio State and Michigan and schools like that and he's going to be on the national stage quite a bit i think they probably they could have just sold him on hey you, we go out and win against those schools you're going to get plenty of nil money don't worry about it and then in addition that gives an opportunity for his family and friends to see him more often because yep. he's from detroit right yes yep yeah 
yeah, so something interesting to follow. And then taking a look at uh, what's going on down at USC. It sounds like they've got some guys entering the transfer portal, and one of the guys may be visiting UW. Is that correct? Oh, he's already visited. He's he's on a trip right now. Raylan Goforth, the um, uh, middle linebacker, outside linebacker. I don't know what position he was playing at, at uh, USC, but – you know, he's he's a guy that has a lot of talent and, and athleticism, but, you know, he he is coming from a uh, defense that was even worse than Washington. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, can he wrap up? Can he, uh, you know, flow and do the things that need to be done? So, you know, Washington had their struggles this year, but they were still a middle-of-the-road defense, not only in the conference, but also nationally. And, you know, USC's was just kind of epically bad. And so was Oregon's. And so to get guys from those schools, um, you know, you better be able to figure out that you guys can coach them up. Obviously, the the Husky coaches think they can do that. But, um, yeah, interesting. Hey, Chris, the uh, head coach for um, Kent State, Sean Lewis, was pretty much – talked about as an up-and-coming coach at Kent State and having head coaching offers after the season and being able to move up from Kent State. But he went ahead and took the offensive coordinator position with Deion Sanders down at Colorado. A little bit of a surprise? Uh, I, yeah, I guess a little bit of a surprise. I'm not sure exactly what the connection would have been between him and Deion Sanders. Um, yeah, he had – and the thing was it was – you know, he had some innovation with his offense. They call it flash first. You know, he, he they want to run really up-tempo and, and a lot of plays. They were talking about trying to run upwards of 100 plays a game when we were previewing the Kent State game when they were playing at Washington. And, you know, but this last year he went 5-7. and seven. So I don't know, maybe he saw the writing on the wall a little bit. Maybe he saw that they were kind of stagnating a little bit and just kind of coaching in place and maybe he needed a new challenge and obviously if if coach prime comes to you and says be my offensive coordinator at colorado he goes sure i'll take it and and to be honest with you this could be a thing where uh coach prime is tipping his hand in terms of kind of not just what offense he wants to run but how he just wants to generally use speed all the way around i mean he was able to get a kid dylan edwards who was i think committed to notre dame if i remember right was one of his first commits and he's a guy that uh has verified track times in the four three four four range so you know i think coach prime is bringing speed to boulder you see i think i'm going to correct you once where i don't think coach prime said come be my offensive coordinator i think it was more come be my son's offensive coordinator because it sounds like Dion's son's been entrenched already as the uh, starting quarterback in colorado well that was part of his part of his luggage right that he said he was bringing yeah so, um, yeah, so that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, obviously luggage or baggage, both, I guess yeah. we'll find out <laughs> which one it is, but clearly, uh, prime's been looking at different offenses and he, he likes what he sees in the dual threat kind of offense that, um, Kent state ran under Lewis. And, um, we'll, we'll see if it's a good fit in the pac 12. I think it could be. And since last time that we did the podcast, uh, happy for Jonathan Smith getting a big extension and getting a big pay raise. Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, it, I I will be the first to admit I just did not see him having success there. I he just never saw seemed like the charismatic guy who could run a run a program and do what he needed to do, but man, he has absolutely proved me wrong. He's done a good job of getting guys in there. He's been really selective in the 
in the transfers that he's taken in. Uh, he's been really smart with the way he's developed that program. Um, he's bringing in he's he's using a lot of what he learned from uh, Chris Peterson in his Built for Life program. Guys who are going to buy into your system, guys who are going to be leaders both on the field and off of it. And I think that's really paid dividends for him. Hey, Scott, I think some of the reason that you maybe didn't think he'd be a success, and I think a lot of people didn't think that, is, you know, when you talk to Jonathan, where like we did, he wasn't the most outgoing personality. He wasn't loud, but, you know, there was a side of him that was uber, uber, uber competitive. And when he talked, people tend to listen. So he's, he's just kind of one of those quiet guys who doesn't say a lot, but when he does, it's usually meaningful. Super nice guy, too, but don't let that super nice guy fool you because he's competitive as hell. Yeah, he is. He's very competitive. Yeah, I, I just you don't get to where he is without being competitive. I just it, it just surprised me. I, I there's there's a different kind of competitiveness that a head coach usually has to have, and and can he can he be the guy to lead this this group? And and I I had some doubts. I I have been completely proven wrong, and glad gladly so. We're having four kids and living in Corvallis and making what five million dollars a year. Yeah. Pretty good. That's pretty what, good. What is five million a year in Corvallis worth up in Seattle? About seven? Fifteen. Well, I don't think they're that far removed. <laughs> Fifteen? No. I, you got to live there. Well, that's true. They do have a state income tax, too, whereas we don't have that up here. But, yeah. Yeah, but just real happy for Jonathan Smith. And it'll be interesting to see what he does in the transfer portal because I got to believe he's going to bring – in a quarterback, because I think that's what what that team was really short of. If they would have had a really good quarterback, that team could have been scary. And uh, is it Jay Butterfield, the kid from Oregon, who's entered the transfer portal that's rumored to be going there? I don't know if he's rumored to go there, but that's certainly one guy yeah. from Oregon that's entered the portal. I, when you talk about cost of living, I'm kind of wondering if Troy Taylor signed a five-year deal, how much that's worth in Palo Alto compared to Corvallis. Well, it's like the coaches that moved up here from Fresno. They were a little bit shocked at the housing prices as well. So I'm sure that Troy has an idea, but, you know, he's making seven figures. I'm sure he'll figure that out. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Oregon, uh, it looks like they got a couple of commits out of the transfer portal. Guys are still leaving. Just lots of lots of interesting stuff, um, you know, going down on down there. I don't think we're done seeing what's going on down at Oregon either. Well, what, one thing that people need to remember, and and Husky fans and Oregon fans, and we know you all listen to us, but um, you know I, they need to be aware. You know, when you're going to recruit nationally like that, if those guys aren't coming in and and uh, getting a lot of playing time. They're going to be leaving because they are guys who did not grow up watching your program and following it and and, you know, to the point of where they're they'll stick it out through tough times, whereas maybe a local kid or a West Coast kid is more willing to do that. So, um, you know, Oregon is just going to be that school that always is able to attract uh, guys from out of state, but also they're going to have a lot of turnover on their roster every year. Where And, and I just don't think, you know, Washington has had, what, three guys go into the portal 
Um, and um, one was never going to come back anyway, and that was uh, Quo Pihapa. But, um, you know, I, I think Washington – um, is going to do their best to not have the turnover. And I think, uh, I don't remember who put it out there. Uh, somebody put it up on Twitter and it's a, it's a pretty well-known name and, and well-respected person. And they said, basically the amount of attrition that you see and amount of a portal, uh, movement that you see off of a team, um, is representative of where your program is at from a stability standpoint. And, and I think when Kalen DeBoer and his staff go into this thing, I think they want to find guys who are going to buy in and make sure that these guys are ones who uh, are willing to stick it out and put in the hard work and wait their turn rather than expecting to come in and play right away. Yeah. And by the way, Qual Pehopa, is it Pehopa? Pehopa? Yeah. Pehopa. Uh, yeah. He's committed and he's going back home to Hawaii. And the guy who wrote that article you're talking about was Andy Staples at yeah. uh, The Athletic. But Chris, the transfer portal stuff is interesting because there's a big time basketball guy that entered the transfer portal and by the name of Fardoz. I call him Fardog and I'm going to keep on calling him that Fardog Amik. And where was he last year, by the way? He was at Utah Valley. He he played against Washington. Yeah. In a in a game where he dominated and he, he looked really, really good. And then in the spring he transferred to Texas Tech. Right. It sounds like what's going on there is, well, first of all, he got hurt before the season and he hasn't played. And there's a rule for it doesn't apply to football from my understanding. But since he hasn't played and he transferred there, being that he hasn't played, he can go ahead and transfer again. And he's entered his name into the portal. And now things are coming out. It sounds like a mess down at Texas Tech. And one of the big things, and it's going to be interesting to see how this carries over to football. Some of the NI deals that were in place for Texas Tech aren't exactly being paid and it's caused some turmoil. And each one of you guys, I can see that happening where guys maybe aren't performing, aren't playing. Uh, the NIL deals are not paid by the schools. They tend to be paid by individuals and guys not paying. And then the first of the year, 1099s are going to start being issued. I think the beginning of the year is going to get real interesting, Chris. Well, yeah, I mean, it will get it. Just the tax thing alone, I think, will probably come as a big shock to kids who have never paid taxes before. And so they'll be surprised. Um, what I think is interesting in the case of Farda's AMAC is that, you know, here's a kid who's never played at Texas Tech, yet the rumor is, or the thing that that it's alleged is that he got a pretty good NIL deal to go to Texas Tech, and that was part of the package that lured him to Lubbock instead of somewhere like Seattle because Washington was certainly a player for him when he was thinking of transferring out of Utah Valley. And if you're the guy that was spearheading the NIL deal for Fardos to go to Texas Tech and you see that he literally has not played one minute at Texas Tech, what is that? T are you are you really going to be that willing to just shell out money and you're throwing it almost like down a hole? So I, I see both sides of it. I, I mean, to be honest, I wondered if there's something signed where it's like if you don't play, you don't get paid. I mean, I, this thing. Yeah, this thing's going to get really interesting. Yeah. And rumor has it that Washington is one of the schools he's looking at. So it'll be interesting. And it's not just the NIL deal at Texas Tech, by the way. If you go to their message board and read some of the stuff, man, that just sounds like a mess. 
It just sounds well, like an it, absolute mess down there. It, it sounds like so. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they played at the the tournament in Lahaina, the the Maui tournament. Yeah. And it sounds like that's there was a lot of problems there, and it sounds like Faraz may have even been in the middle of it because there's things that are alleged where maybe he was telling people not to go to Texas Tech for whatever reason, and so it sounds like now he's got this kind of clubhouse cancer label on him or and and again fair unfair literally have no idea but these are things that all come out when the culture is kind of rotten at the core and so yeah if if we think it's funny because a lot of people at washington think it's it's you know washington hasn't done anything in basketball it's true they haven't gotten anywhere as far as the tournament what have you but at least as far as we can tell, the culture is intact. There's not a problem in the locker room. But it sounds like in Lubbock, it sounds like that couldn't be further from the truth. What was it uh, when Washington, I think when they were talking to um, uh, some coaches down there, these it's just their comments on Lubbock. Lubbock is in the middle of nowhere, basically. So uh, and Fardog, by the way, is where is he from? Vancouver? Yeah, he's from B.C. So, yeah. That there's all sorts of reasons why people are talking about AMAC to to come to Washington, and and part of it is because of the location. Obviously, family can come down and watch him play. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of smoke to the idea that Washington was a serious player for him even before him thinking about Texas Tech. So perhaps all of those other reasons are still valid and still there because. The coaching staff is still there. Hopkins was the one that recruited him. Uh, uh, Will Conroy recruited him. So there, there's still a lot of touchstones and a lot of things that are still in place at Washington. And then now you add to it the fact that Frank Kepdang is not going to be available for the rest of the season. Here's a guy in Fardaz Amac who could come in right away and and fill right in. And you know, it. it I'm not saying it's a seamless fit because obviously they're they're different guys. But in terms of having that extra big that you didn't think you were going to have, and oh, by the way, before he went to Texas Tech, he was averaging a double-double. That's not a bad replacement. Yeah, a couple things. Um, he just got his cast off of his uh, leg last week. Um, it, I'm, that's one of the things I'm trying to get an answer on is how soon he would be able to return. I think it might be a little bit. And then also uh, not only Coach Hopkins and Coach Conroy, but from my understanding, there's a pretty strong connection with people in his camp with Quincy Pondexter. And, uh, boy, Quincy's just turned out to be a little bit of a monster recruiter with getting the number two shooting guard in the country coming in next year and Wesley Yates, who's out of Texas also. And then uh, Braxton Mia, he was able to get out of Fresno and Quincy pretty much ran point on both of those. And if he's able to pull in far dogs, Amik, boy, you just look at having three big, nearly seven foot guys to the roster and then bringing in the number two shooting guard in the country. And the only person you're losing is Jamal Bay. It's a pretty good team moving forward. So well, I I'm, I am curious about that angle, Kim, that you mentioned the injury and just how quickly once the cast is removed, how quickly he can bounce back and, and be a factor. Because let's say that he let's say that all the things align and because of the rules that are in place, he can be eligible right away. He can enroll at Washington, for instance, in January for the winter quarter. 
how long would it take for him to get back to speed? And not only from the conditioning perspective, but also just from the playing perspective, because he hasn't played an organized game since when? Since March? Yeah. You know, April? I don't know what Utah Valley's situation was in terms of last year, but it's been a long, long time. It's been minimum nine months. So, yeah, I... Even even in the best case scenario, if he can transfer right away to a quarter school, get in January, hit the the conditioning program and all these things, I gotta think it's gotta be. What do you think? Minimum February before he even sees the floor? I don't know. That's that's the question. We'll have yeah. to find out. We'll have to find out. I think we're a couple of weeks away, but I think we're going to get a good indication here within the next week or so. So uh, just hang on for the news on uh, Fardog Amik. We'll see where he does indeed wind up. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer. Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Scott, with uh, recruiting, it's uh, signing day is just around the corner. It's not that far away. Yep, five days away. Man, it's nuts. It's hard to believe. Visits this week, Washington's just got one guy in, and it's pretty much the transfer portal. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no high school guys that I'm aware of. Um, it sounds like there there might be some some uh, additions, but right now the only one that we are aware of is uh, uh, Daniel Ngata, the um, running back out of Arizona State. There were there's Currently, a guy on campus right now, Raylan Goforth, the uh, outside linebacker from or linebacker from uh, USC. He's currently on campus. Uh, Dylan Johnson, the running back from Mississippi State, was in earlier this week. He's he left uh, Friday morning this morning, and um, trying to think who else. There's a couple other guys. Uh, one might be, and I can't remember his name, and I tried to look him up uh, real quick, but I couldn't find it. Uh, hearing that there is a possibility, I don't know if that that guy if he's actually here or not, but the edge from Sioux Falls um, is possibly on campus as well. So, um, you know, kind of in flux this is the last official visit weekend before signing day. Um, you can expect them to have some transfer portal guys in next month. And a lot depends on who ends up signing uh, with other schools um, as far as the quarterback situation, because of Keenholz's decision to flip so late in the process, Washington tried to get in on Sam Levitt, the quarterback out of West Lynn, who we already t- kind of talked about him, but out of West Lynn and, and uh, he decided to uh, flip his decision from Washington state to Michigan state. So um, I think a lot's going to depend on who ends up signing and if Washington likes any of the uh, high school guys, but I don't think Washington, if they can make sure that Sam Heward and Dylan Morris are committed uh, and, and going to be staying to staying at the university of Washington through next fall, I don't think they absolutely need a high school guy to come in or even a transfer portal guy. I think they probably will go out and get one, but I don't know. So I think a lot of that's going to remain in flux here for a little bit. 
The other uh, guy that's kind of been uh, hot and heavy a couple weeks ago and kind of cooled down, we haven't heard a lot, Caleb Presley. Any update on Caleb Presley? He's visiting USCLA this weekend. Washington did their in-home with him last night. I'm still trying to find out uh, from Caleb how things went uh, before he gets on his trip to UCLA. But, uh, you know, Washington was in home last night, and I think they, they have put forth their best efforts. Um, I I don't know if he would – I mean, they've obviously made him a little bit of a priority. I think um, his position coach, Juice Brown, likes him a little more than maybe some of the rest of the staff does. And, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But if your position coach likes you a little bit more than anybody else, I mean, that, that should be the most important thing. So – um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think Washington is is in a better spot if they end up getting him. I think he'd be nice for the depth, and and we'll see how he develops. But um, there are better players out there, and Washington has two better corners already committed to them, and Leroy Bryant and uh, Curly Reed. So Yeah, and then tight end was a position that was kind of of interest as well with um, the Cuevas uh, kid from um, – he'd be a Cal Poly. Yeah, and then also, um, uh, is it Molokai from Oregon? Maliki Matavao, yeah. So those those two two were guys. I don't think I think Matavao is probably headed down to Arizona with uh, with um, Jordan Pow Pow, uh, who's down there, former Husky tight ends coach, uh, has kind of bounced around a little bit. He's down at uh, Arizona. Is he the? I think he's the passing game coordinator, maybe. Running game coordinator, I can't remember what he is, but he's not the full OC there. But uh, he's he's got um, some extra titles on top of what um, he's he's doing as well. But I think that's that's probably the biggest connection. I'm not sure Washington is is that heavily in the mix with him. We'll we'll have to wait and see because everything is so fluid, and we're we're all. I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Blair Angulo, all these guys. We're all kind of waiting to see where things go at this recruiting portal thing i think we're all still trying to figure out how how to cover it because uh this is also new to everybody but um yeah that's kind of where things stand cuevas is a guy that i know they really like but you know he's going to utah and michigan and those are two two good tight end schools so um i think i think a a lot's going to remain to see how much those schools want him and pursue him um when he takes his final visit this weekend which i think is to michigan but it might be utah i can't remember all right. It sounds like Justin Flo, maybe the um, I mean, the five star linebacker who was at Oregon. Sounds like he's probably going to wind up down at Arizona. Yep. Yep. That's what it sounds like. Yep. All right. All right. And then um, we're still expecting, you know, a few more uh, to enter the transfer portal coming up. Are you guessing that that's going to maybe be until after the bowl game? Yeah, I think bowl game is probably where you'll see it. I mean, one thing that uh, I remember watching Mac Brown say it on College Football Live where he said, hey, you've already told us that you want to go into the portal, but if you're doing everything right, you're, you're coming out and you're practicing hard and helping us, you're welcome to play in our bowl game. And I think Washington probably is taking that same tack with their guys. I'm sure they've had, uh, cons, uh, you know, conversations with kids and, and made sure, Hey, how bought in are you? Cause we, we don't want to fly you down there and, and have you be part of this. If you're not bought into helping us get ready for, for our bowl game. But once that's over with, you guys are free to leave and we will help you guys either find a spot. We'll give you good reviews, anything like that. And, um, and yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. One more is, uh, I I think I'm sorry, Kim, I think, um, up to five or six more guys will enter the portal at some point. Zakari Spears entered the transfer portal and he's joining Jim Mora, uh, at UConn. Good for him. Good for him. You know, I think that's a good spot. He can go out there and earn. He starts fresh. 
Uh, it's a good school. Is UConn's a pretty good school from what I remember. Um, they're up in, you know, Connecticut, obviously, um, his, his dad is real big on, Hey, uh, you know, just go in there, be ready to work and, uh, and, you know, get a good education while you're at whatever school you're playing football at. So, um, you know, and, and I think the fact that Jim Mora is starting to build something, aren't they going to a bowl game? Yes. Yeah. They're going to a bowl game after not winning a game for like three years or something stupid like that. I mean, it, it's the, what he's been able to do there, that, that'd be nice to be a part of it. If you're, if you're not part of this Husky football program, that'd be kind of a nice program to be a football, uh, be part of, you know, as they help build that back into, into at least being a competent program. All yeah. Right. They're in the, they're in the Myrtle beach bowl with, uh, against Marshall. Yeah. On, good on for Monday. them. Good it's for coming them. Monday. Yeah. Anything else on recruiting we need to touch bases on, Scott? Um, I think I think you're going to see a ton of stuff start happening with 2024 guys here over the next uh, week and a half, two weeks. Uh, maybe once we get into January, you'll see that really start to heat up. I think you're going to start seeing. I think you'll see. Uh, I, they're not going to. Washington doesn't do junior days like some schools do, but they they're going to have a lot of kids in. I think during February, um, for for quote unquote junior days. Um, they're probably going to host them for basketball games. Let them see that sit down with the coaches, meet them, maybe get some offers, maybe do some evaluations and things like that. So a lot of stuff is going to start happening with 2024, 2025 kids on signing day. Um, Chris and I will be on the boards probably, I don't know what Chris about, uh, well, I guess we have to be on at five because that's when the yeah. Texas kids can start and, and Alinius Davis can start signing. And so, uh, Curly Reed as and well. Curly Reed. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So um, we're going to have to be on for those guys uh, and their signings. But I've got uh, signing day profiles for every guy, comments from uh, the different regional uh, scouts and everything like that. So uh, just, you know, keep it tuned here. Signing day is going to be big and we, we will have you covered wall to wall here on Dogman. Yeah. And, and just a, a couple of other things to Kalen DeBoer will have a press conference later that day. Um, sometimes it varies depending on whether they're, they get done early or, or they're expecting to get done early or whether it might drag a little bit. So we'll see what the timing is on that. Sometimes the timing reveals just, you know, what they think the tenor of the day is going to be. If it's earlier, expect them to assume they're going to get done earlier. Um, also, the the kid from Sioux Falls that you mentioned, Scott, that his name is Zach Durfee. And um, he's a he's a Minnesota native. And so there's a thought that Minnesota's in on him hard as well. So this could end up being a Washington, Minnesota thing. Obviously need to find out more if he if he is if he is going to be on campus or is on campus. Uh, Definitely want to find that out. And also real quick, did we ever in the last podcast talk about Washington's new defensive back commit? Thaddeus Dixon. Uh, Thaddeus Dixon. I don't know if we had uh, if he had announced yet. Okay, because you were you were talking about Caleb Presley and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how hard they're pushing on him because Thaddeus Dixon they got a, a commit out of him and the other defensive back that they were really going hard on was a kid by the name of Channing Canada and he just uh, committed to TCU this week. Yep. So. We'll see if that plays a part in it as well. But one of the things that I think Washington fans were trying to figure out is how hard were they going to go either in the portal or maybe in the JUCO ranks to find another defensive back, considering they were losing Jordan Perryman 
and now Zakari Spears. So now they, they need to start bulking that up. Mm-hmm. They've got a bunch of guys that they're going to sign on Wednesday, but um, you may want to talk a little bit about Thaddeus yeah. Dixon. Yeah, Thaddeus Dixon, six uh, two, hundred ninety pounds. He was a uh, he was a uh, JUCO all preseason JUCO All American. They haven't voted on that yet, but uh, he was down at Long Beach City College and uh, was considered one of the top defensive backs in Southern California. Uh, had three picks, I think forty two tackles last year, uh, this past season. Sorry, and um, you know he's he's just a guy that fits what they're looking for. He likes to play some bump and run. He's he's he probably plays better as in off man than in than in uh, uh, track and trail and doing those different things. So um, we'll have to see how he fits into their scheme. But, you know, they've obviously targeted some guys who fit well on their schemes and and they want to bring in guys who are going to be good on the edge and run support. Jordan Perryman was very poor in run support. Um, Thaddeus Dixon, from every piece of film I've seen, he likes to come up and hit you. So. Um, that's something to keep an eye on as well. I think they will go and get a portal guy. I think they like their younger guys, Javion Green um, from last year. And and then uh, they've got uh, Leroy Bryant and Curly Reed coming in as well. I think they really like those guys. They've got Diesel Gordon, who they're going to play at some some at the um, at the uh, uh, Husky position. But he'll also be kind of a, a safety spot, too. So. Um, lots of different moving parts in that secondary and how they're going to use them. Um, and a lot depends on, on, you know, the development of guys like Elijah Jackson, Elijah Jackson and Devon Banks, you know, Devon Banks got a lot of playing time this year, but is he a guy who, who can develop anymore? Because one of the knocks on him and one of the reasons he didn't get recruited as heavily as maybe he should have, because his athleticism and speed make him a guy who should be able to be recruited pretty heavily was, you know, he was considered to be a track guy playing football and we saw some of his struggles. Um, Leroy, I'm sorry, uh, Julius Irvin is a guy who moved over from safety. Now, could that possibly be a situation where Leroy Irvin moves back to safety so they have more bodies there since he isn't a natural cover guy? So a lot of different moving parts, how things end up. And I think a lot depends on where uh, Washington wants to go Uh you know, as far as portal or maybe even another JUCO guy. So we'll have to wait and see. Did I hear that right? Did you say Leroy Irvin? I started to say Leroy Irvin, but okay. I changed it. I changed it to Julius. No, that's fine. So no, I said Leroy yeah. Ir- uh, Julius. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just so no. hard. You know, I grew up watching Leroy Irvin play. So it's that that's on the top of my head. It was like uh, with Desmond and um, Marcus Trufant. How many times did we say Marcus Trufant? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's you just get used to it. So, yeah. And, and I think this is, I don't know if this is a, a bigger trend that we're trying to see with this staff, Scott, in terms of it, it just feels like they really, really want to use the portal very sparingly if they can. And they still want to have the, the bulk. And when I say the bulk, I'm talking 85, 90% of their roster be the guys that they handpick from high school and develop them over the course of three or four years. Cause you, you mentioned Curly Reed, and, and you mentioned a guy like Leroy Bryant. Those feel like your corners of the future. You've got Vincent Holmes, um, you know, who I think they're going to play at safety. I mean, I know um, Chuck Morrell was part of the visiting crew in their in-home uh, this this week when, when the Washington coaches went to visit him in home. And so, you know, you look at that guy as well. Um, and then Diesel Gordon, like you said, is is a, is a guy that can play probably safety or 
the Husky if they need to. And then you add a guy like Thaddeus Dixon into the mix who's got time. He's got a little bit of time to he's not going to just be a one and done guy. He's not like Jordan Perryman. So I, I, I just get the sense that when they're looking at the portal, they're looking at guys, they want to bring them in and have them around for a couple of years, at least like, you know, they, I think they lucked out my personal opinion. I think they lucked out with Penix, Michael Penix sticking around for a second year, but ideally that's what they want to have happen. They want to give these guys a taste of success and then give them a difficult choice to make. Do you want to jump, which you absolutely could because you're talented enough to do it? Or do you still feel like there's this idea of unfinished business? And obviously that's what that's what's driving Penix. And maybe that's what's driving some of these future guys that end up at Washington yep. from the portal. Because you get the guys like Wayne Talapapa who are the one and dones, but they're big time captains, big time leaders. They fit a very specific role, but then you get some of these other guys, whether it's the Aaron Dumases or the Will Nixons or some of these other guys. It's just interesting. You bring up, you know, with how they were lucky to get Michael Penix, you know, how much different would things have been if it had been Jake Hayner? Because Jake Hayner was coming. The only reason he didn't was because well, I, I, he wasn't, wasn't a, he yeah, wouldn't be, he wouldn't been, Jake wouldn't have been able to enroll for spring football. He wouldn't have been able to get here until July. So, you know, definitely interesting, you know, what could have been. Well, Kim, just, just to clarify, I, I'm not saying that Washington was lucky to get Michael Penix. Oh, I understand that. I'm saying that Washington's yeah. lucky to keep Michael Penix. Yeah, no, it's like, and like I said, it would it'd be interesting to see what would have transpired if they would have gotten Jay Kaner instead of Michael Penix. It's, oh, it's always interesting. You know, it's just, you know, they, with the um, Brett Rippon situation where he was ready to commit and Jake Browning went ahead and snatched the scholarship. How much different would the program have been with Brett Rippon? You know, it's, it's just always crazy to kind of look it back on who they almost got and how, who they wound up with instead. So I haven't really thought about it, but now that you brought it up, do you think Jake Kaner sitting there right now, kicking himself? When he's looking and seeing what Michael Penix did in this offense, he's going to a ball game. I think he's fine. No, well, I'm sure I, he's fine. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine. Fine is good, but but that's not what that's not what Michael Penix did. What Michael Penix did was way beyond fine. Yeah, well, where would Michael Penix have wound up if he didn't go to Washington? Well, would no, he have done the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always interesting. So, anyways, uh, let's wrap it up. Chris Fetters, what do you got? Just that, uh, you know, it'll be very, very interesting these coming weeks, especially on the basketball uh, front, if Fardas Emak uh, shows up at Washington, not to just see if he can slide into what Frank Kepnang was doing, but how quickly he can get it done. I, I have questions. I have definite questions about it. And it has nothing to do with his ability. It has everything to do with his availability in terms of getting ready to go. Can he get into condition? Can he get back into playing shape as quickly as they obviously would need him to? Because they're going to get a big piece back already in, in Noah Williams, probably right, I would assume, at the end of the end of the month. And that will be a monster piece to get back anyways. But if they can add another piece like a Fardaz Amac, especially in a situation where it just didn't look like anything like that was even possible, um, it'd be a, a huge feather and a huge coup for Washington to be able to do that, to try to push on and see if they can do something in the league. Um, as far as the recruiting stuff, it'll be, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they use the portal. I just get the sense they're using it sparingly. 
I think they're going to try to just get a couple guys here and there. And, um, and I think they're doing a good job so far. I, I'd be curious to see what a guy like Ngata can do in this offense as a running back. He, he, I think a lot of people have talked about him being another Will Nixon. I kind of wonder about that a little bit as well. But uh, I, I don't expect a ton of surprises uh, for signing day for Washington now that the quarterback thing has been kind of settled with uh, Keenholz going to Ohio State, Sam Levitt going to Michigan State. Um, I think that thing has kind of resolved itself in, in terms of kind of no news is, is what's going to happen, I suspect. And uh, they'll go from there. Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Yeah, uh, echo a lot of what Chris says. They're going to be Washington is going to be huge players in the portal, but I think they are going to add guys at different positions, fill some holes, and they're going to tar, you know, um, proactively target guys, um, but not necessarily go out and get guys that oh well th- this quarterback is is great let's go get him that that's just not going to be what they do they're going to make sure that the guy fits into their system and, and everything like that as far as uh, the rest of signing day I think they're pretty much done with high school kids um, we should we should be getting a commit from a high school kid later today in uh Tayshawn Lyons I think uh wide receiver out of northern Cal- what central California I think is where he's at um he's a really talented kid um I know Washington was kind of uh I don't want to say waiting on him but just kind of hey let's just kind of see where things go and and they started heating up on him later in the season uh and I think that Washington really um, has a good shot to to finish in the top 25 this year if, if they if they get the right guy. Tayshawn Lyons is a four star guy, and that will definitely help their rankings. Um, and not that I'm a rankings guy, but whatever. Um, as far as the rest, you know, it's gonna be fun watching this uh, the um, the the team, you know, get yeah, as they get ready for the Alamo Bowl and and take on Texas. Could be a huge win for this program. Put them right back in the national spotlight if they get this win over Texas. But it's not going to be easy because we know Steve Sarkeesian is going to be out uh, to to try and score a lot of points on Washington because he knows he probably can and to defend this this offense. So, um, you know, with Pete Kwiatkowski. So a lot of Husky and Texas uh, connections in this. And, and it, it should be a fun game to watch on the 29th. But, uh, yeah, great, great uh See signing day get over with here in about uh, five days and wrap things up and then we'll get started right away on 2024. Hey guys, real quick before kid before you wrap this up, there is one other name that we probably should talk about a little bit and I know this is a name that if we didn't talk about and people would ask after we posted this thing, um, what what are we thinking about Jeremy Bernard? What, what what are we thinking about the latest with him? Because he's again for people that don't know or don't remember. He was the kid that enrolled at Washington and then about a week later left and ended up at Michigan State and now is back in the portal. There's a lot of people talking about him already being a done deal to Washington. I don't believe that that's necessarily true. But, Scott, do you want to comment on that? Uh, I don't believe he's a done deal to Washington. But I but when Blair Angulo, who's pretty tight in and when he says um, a lot of people are saying they'd be shocked if he doesn't end up at the University of Washington, I'll take that uh, to the bank. Almost every time. I mean, he knows he knows what he's what he's talking about with these guys. So, um, yeah, that'll be that'll be real interesting to to watch and see how that pro- progresses. 
never seems to end at dogman.com. We think we're slow and something else always happens because I know I'm going to head out this afternoon for a little bit. So you're probably going to head out for a little bit this afternoon. Chris, you're probably going to go grab lunch. So just get a time when we're all gone and expect something to happen at that time today. That's usually the way it works. It never slows down. But again, signing day next week. So uh, we'll be all over that and basketball coming up and just yeah, there's just always seems to be a lot going on. So just keep it right here and we will get you all filled in. And so for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Thank you.